0: hello how's it going i hope you're having a great day and a great week because baby it is go time here on the farm uh oh my name is drew and this is the between me and drew podcast with clara joyce flowers uh clara joyce flowers is my cut flower farm we're a specialty cut flower farm and foliage farm um here in northwestern illinois um We primarily sell our flowers through wholesale channels, so direct to florists. We also do um, a lot of weddings every season as well, so um, we've got a lot of stuff going on. It is like our peak season. The dahlias are cranking right now, and um, I'm excited about today's episode and I'm excited about today's episode because um well first of all we're talking about my top five greenhouse crops that we grow um and I'm excited about this because right now we're like beginning of September which is insane but right now we are kind of in like a little bit of a breather on greenhouse crops um because all of our fall dahlias and mums and other good stuff um isn't in full flush yet so we've got time we're still you know cranking out in the field we've got you know tons of annuals and dahlias and all that amazing stuff outside um so it's kind of nice to think about what we love so much about the greenhouse crops so um i'm excited Uh, also today's episode is sponsored by leo burby bulb company out of marysville ohio and i i absolutely love leo burby bulb co and actually if you're listening to this like pretty fresh after it's been posted um you really should come visit us at leo burby's on the 28th of september um it is their second annual bulbs in bloom burby fest um and I'm so fortunate enough to be one of the speakers for the day. So I'm super excited. I love going uh, and being able to be in person for events like this and to see everybody and say, Hey, and talk about what's going on. So, um, if you're, if you're listening to this, catching it, you know, make plans, register ASAP and come see us. There's, I think two or three other speakers that are going to be there. We're going to have a lot of fun. You get to tour the bulb facility. Um, talk to Marjolin, talk to Dave, talk to the crew, and uh, we just have a grand old time. So come visit us on the 28th. But um, the top five things that we're going to talk about today (sighs) should not be a surprise to a lot of people, Um, really, honestly, genuinely should not be a surprise, but we're still going to cover it because there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that, you know, are kind of new to the industry and and we're all still learning. Um, So I am excited. We're going to share some wins. We're going to share some losses, even in these top fives. Everything's not always, you know, 10 out of 10 um, and uh, should be good. But we're going to get to that in the second half of today's episode. Surprise. Um, The first things that we're going to talk about are kind of what, you know, qualifies these things um, to be you know the top five um so if you listened to the top 10 perennials uh episode we're going to kind of go off of that same rubric we'll call it um so you know are these things profitable taking into account you know that growing into in a greenhouse space you've got a lot more um inputs you have a, a ton more infrastructure you've got the building you've got the plastic you've got uh, the necessity for irrigation, because in the field, you don't have to always irrigate, um, depending on your location. But in a greenhouse, you do. Um, so you've got that. Um, you've got you know the annual maintenance of the building and taking care of the building and the structure. So all of those things cost money. So by the time you remove all of that and labor, are you still able to make money on those crops? So that is hurdle number one for our contestants for the day (laughs) hurdle number two um is ease of growth and um, this is a little bit of like a touchy um condition uh the ease of growth because there are no two seasons that are the same Okay. And we definitely experienced that. Um, and we'll, we'll get into more of that specific, uh, problem or the potential for problem. Um, once we get into the top five, but ease of growth would be, you know, things like, do you have to, you know, really babysit this crop? Do you have to be applying, you know, fertilizer every week? Do you have to be applying, you know, blah, 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 you know, three layers of you have netting and support cages, you know, that's not super easy to do. So um, what crops are the most streamlined? They can handle themselves, set them up on automatic irrigation, and you just kind of watch from a distance for 80% of the time. That's huge. The third thing that we or I looked at was saleability. You know, how easy is it to sell these crops? Um, if you're growing and selling a crop that is widely available on conventional wholesale basis, it's probably not the most um, conducive or easiest thing to try and sell because there's so much of it available on the open market. Um, So saleability is huge. Does it have a consumer following? Do people love it? Does it spark nostalgia? Do you have fond memories of that flower? All of those things factor into the point of saleability. And the final thing was the harvest window. And this is something that if you have listened to many of our podcasts here with Between Me and Drew, you should, have, you should be very familiar with how much importance I place on harvest window. Um, because if it's a crop that is a one-hit wonder and it's here for a week and then it's gone, it's probably not going to make it on my top five or even a top ten. So harvest window, large window of salability, you know, that is all very very important. Um because we need to be able to grow and invest in crops that we are going to have a long time to recoup that money, A, um and B start to turn a profit on these things. Um so that's really really huge as well. So, that is um the, the uh, rubric those are the hurdles that our contestants <laughs> had to jump over um, and I think we will get started um, I will be right back one second I think this is so timely because Leo Burby Bulbco Co. is such a key component to our farm like straight up um, Leo Burby Bulbco Co. is your one stop shop For all things bulbs, bare roots, perennials, etc., they're family owned and operated for over 50 years. Leo Burby Bulb strives on providing exceptional customer service. Truly, I agree. Um, And while Leo Burby specializes in bulbs for spring and fall planting, they also have an incredible young plants division that can broker plants and plugs from over 30 different growers. So whether you order online or you call into the office and, and, you know, phone in your order, uh, the process is very simple and straightforward. There's no order that's too large or too small, and there's no boxing minimums on orders either. They're family owned and operated. I love them to death. And the customer service is honestly the best. Um, So be sure to use the code DREW when you place your order online and you'll get a free gift. So super simple you're ordering at the very end uh there's a you can put like a promo code or in the notes section um just use the code drew and say that you heard about leo leo burby bold Co. on our podcast and uh Marjolin will make sure you get a little gift so there you go thanks leo burby love ya all right let's get rolling i just got a drink so we are ready to roll baby so um we're gonna start with number five and then we'll work our way up to number one sound like a plan let's go so number five um this is a pretty wide broad family of plants but that is the snapdragon good old-fashioned snap um snapdragons are easily uh one of the top greenhouse flowers that we grow and sell Uh, we do multiple successions of snaps throughout the course of the season Um, our earliest blooming ones are planted in the fall so fall planted snaps are great for us because they can get established and rooted in in the fall go dormant over winter and then they're flushed out ready to go for early spring sales so we have those way in advance over anything that's coming out of the field so that's fantastic um we you can buy snap plugs from leo burby uh through dave in the young plants division you just email him what you're looking for and he'll make it happen so that's fantastic um The other thing with snaps is there are so many different varieties, series, colors, etc. We grow a lot of the Chantilly's and we also grow a lot of uh, your more conventional standard things like Potomac's, Maryland's, Rockets, things like that. Um, Chantilly's are definitely um, more of a specialty one because you're not super – those are not super common on the wholesale market. Um, so we're growing those specifically for florists who know the product, know that we have the product and they want it. Um, so snaps are great. Um, in regards to ease of sale, even though they are conventionally available on every wholesale channel, um, they're a recognizable product. So florists know them, they're familiar, they're comfortable, and that's huge. Um, they're also very easy for us to grow because once they're planted, um, which in the fall when we plant for spring, we don't usually use a ground cover because weeds don't grow super fast over the winter. So we can keep up on weeding that way. Um, But once they're planted, we uh, just put one layer of metal support cage over, um, which is just a five foot reinforcement uh, cement panel um, folded up to have a one inch rise on either side or one foot rise on either side. So that leaves us three foot um, across the bed, which our beds are three feet wide and um they kind of do their thing and we just start harvesting and we just keep harvesting and it's fantastic it's lovely so love me a snapdragon as should you um oh and the successions that we plant over the summer we do add in a um, ground cover we use a a pre-burned landscape fabric uh, ground cover um, just because in the summer, there's so much else going on that anytime we can, you know, do something physical to get ahead of the weeding is just something that we're definitely going to do. So that's for sure on that one. Um, okay. Number four, eucalyptus. And this could be a surprise to some people, but we have the luxury to, and the ability to, an entire greenhouse dedicated just to perennial foliages. So that's eucalyptus and rosemary. Um, We use a ton of eucalyptus in our own event work. We use a lot of rosemary in our own event work Um, and we also sell a lot of eucalyptus as well. So we've got multiple varieties. Uh, The earliest one that we can cut off of is baby blue Um, and then in the fall we utilize um, some of the others like uh, silver dollar or Oh god, I'm not going to be able to remember the actual name of it right now. Anyway, the one that looks like silver dollar. Um and then we also use uh, Cineria. and then I think it's called Pulverinthula, Pulverinthula something. Um I'm probably butchering that name, but those varieties um don't have a super thick or hardy foliage um on the new growth whereas baby blue holds up better as a fresh cut. So Those other ones, we have to wait until the fall when the tissue starts to toughen up a little bit more um, so that they do hold up in arrangements and on tables and things like that. Um, But because we have a house that's dedicated to those plants, um, we'd have to treat those a little bit differently. Here in Zone 5, we have to grow eucalyptus in a structure if we want it to perennialize because once that crown or the part of the plant that meets the surface of the soil, once that freezes solid, it's di- It's dead. It dies, okay? Um, so here on the farm, when we are shutting greenhouses down in the fall and in the wintertime, um, we'll cut everything back, dry what we can, use what we can for you know Christmas season, And then that entire house gets covered with two layers of ag 50 frost fabric Um, and that's enough insulation without any additional heat to keep that soil from freezing Um, that greenhouse also has an inflated roof so you've got um, insulation value there you've got the two layers of frost fabric and the crowns of those plants don't die so then every year in the springtime we remove that frost fabric um go through clean up the beds one last time And then you'll start to see tons of new growth come in due time. Um, It does take quite a bit of water to kind of get those plants going again in the spring. So um, again, you have to factor in your irrigation supplies and all of that stuff. Um, But it's lovely. We start selling our eucalyptus here in like the end of June. Um, So we've got uke for June, July, August, September, October, and into November so we have a long long time to sell that crop um and it's amazing it smells delightful it's familiar people know it um and it's it's lovely um and i was very surprised but i've i'll, I'll preface that um over the past few years it's been very hard to get eucalyptus seed and plugs um especially 2 years ago but there's been, a, there was a little bit of a resurgence last year. Everybody's still sold out usually across the board, but, um, Dave at Burbie's was actually able to find several flats of eucalyptus plugs, um, for lots of people. Um, so he was definitely saving, saving some people on that one, uh, last year. Um, so, youke love it. That was number four. Number five, uh, this is no surprise because this is the season we're in right now. Uh, Lizianthus. So Lizzie's season in the greenhouses is banging and has been popping off for weeks. I love this flower. This is the best year for our Lizzianthus. It's tall. It's beautiful. Um, she is pretty hungry when it comes to, you know, soil amendments and, and compost we've found over the years. Um, but if you can keep up with these plants and you can, you know, meet their needs, they are fantastic. They are phenomenal. Um, all of our Lizzie came through Burbies last spring. We got them in as, uh, I think, 285s, I'm pretty sure. And then we bumped them up to 128s. And then from there, they went into the ground. Um, they went in on landscape fabric. Um, they were planted at like a six inch spacing. And we did one round of weeding uh, once those plugs got established. And then we put the wire support cages on. So, same thing like the snaps. Um, and if you missed that the first time, what we use for supports um, are not the plastic mesh. Um, it's a um, cement reinforcement wire panel. It comes on a like a 100-foot roll, maybe 150-foot roll. We cut them into 12-feet sections, and then we bend them so that there's a one-foot rise on either side. And that leaves you three foot um, across the top to straddle the beds, which is perfect height and perfect width because our beds are three feet wide um, and one foot is usually enough to help hold these plants up and it, it works fantastic for um, Lisianthus. So huge fan of that. Um, lisianthus is a widely um, acknowledged and accepted crop. It comes in a variety of colors, um, different series. So it's definitely one that is easy to sell um, and you should have no problem making really good money on lisianthus when you grow it in a covered space so there's that and it also can be done in different plantings and successions so you know it's, it's a really valuable crop for sure um number two for greenhouse crops um not surprised but this is the dahlia the fall dahlia um and i say and i'm prefacing fall for a reason um in our area and for many of the growers that i know that have tried this spring dahlias are just a pain in the ass for many reasons um one insect pressure on early dahlias is insane it is off It it is like ridiculous um there's so many things that are just trying to get you know a bite of something that's big fat juicy and loaded with water and a bunch of good stuff and dahlias are exactly that so i mean if you're ready to like fight tooth and nail for those early flowers and spend a lot of money on pest control go for it but fall dahlias are much easier we have found so we plant them in the summer either as tubers and or rooted cuttings um Plant them in the fall, nine nine to ten inch spacing, um, and they're they're great. Um, they're very easy to take care of. They grow nice and quick. They fill out the bed nice and quick. Again, one layer of the wire cages, and they're good. They're good to go. The one thing that you have to look out for with these is that as everything outside, so you know, end of summer, uh, basically end of fall, actually. Um, Everything has either been frosted or has died. And at that point, all of the insects that were feeding off of those plants outside, they're looking for something to eat, okay? Uh, Because they're still trying to get in, like, one round of reproduction still. So you're going to have some insect pressure when it comes to um, the flowers themselves. Oftentimes we see that, like, uh, cucumber beetles and sometimes corn beetles um, are a huge pain in the butt. Um, in the fall, but those, since they're beetles, are pretty easy to take care of. Um, One round of of light herbicide usually knocks them out, um, or not herbicide, insecticide, um, and you're you're good to go. And that insecticide can be applied either through um, injection into your irrigation lines, if you don't want to spray, or you can spray, um, and you can, you know, apply that insecticide directly to the flower head so you've got almost an immediate uh reaction so um make the best educated choice for your growing conditions your growing practices and um move forward from there and uh finishing us off the number one greenhouse crop that we grow which i will be very honest with you i um am feeling a certain kind of way about this crop this year um and we'll get to that in a second is ranunculus all the ranunculus tecolotes from burby romance series butterflies labels, amandines all of it they're they're they all have their place for sure okay and this is that's probably the one greenhouse crop that we grow the most of we grow a a lot of ranunculus but The reason I'm feeling a certain kind of way (laughs) is that this is not a foolproof crop, okay? Um, And up until this year, we had never had a problem growing ranunculus. And this is the year that we did, and it was a really big problem. Um, But that problem is that our spring was really, really cloudy, like all the time. During like the 60 to 70-day bloom window that we usually have for ranunculus which is usually filled with beautiful springy days sunny nice and cool we can open up the greenhouses and it's lovely during that window where the plants were loaded with buds i think we had like six days of sun like direct sun which is not not good and it's not good for many reasons. One, the plants are not able to produce enough chlorophyll to continue to produce flowers. Okay, that's number one. Number two, the, there was just so much humidity in the air outside and in the air inside the greenhouses that the plants were not able to dry out during the day. And that's a huge problem. Um, fungal and disease issues can spread through a greenhouse crop of ranunculus so quickly so so quickly and the problem that we faced is that you know the crew was harvesting beautiful blooms i mean they were lovely coming out of the greenhouses but after they sat in a cooler for a day and a half or they got shipped to the florist and the florist was opening up a box that was just shattered destroyed ranunculus in like a big pile of goo that's not cool that's not good at all so we were throwing away buckets and buckets and buckets of harvested ranunculus that were just covered in, I mean, they were they were beautiful, they were beautiful, but I'm not kidding you, like two days and they're like toast, done, in, in a 38 degree cooler where they should last for 10 days and then still have a vase life outside of it. So that was a big problem. We honestly didn't really make any money on ranunculus this year, so the reason it's number one on this podcast is not because of the 2022 season. It's because of the year's worth of successes that we've had with it previously that make it on this list. And if you want to know more about growing ranunculus, go back to episode seven. Um, That was released last fall. So I did not have a tainted view (laughs) of this crop yet. Um, So go ahead, go back to number seven, check it out. um, And you can learn more about ranunculus and and what it takes to really grow that crop um, in detail. So that's top five, baby. We've got snaps, uke, lisianthus, fall dahlias, and ranunculus. So um, I just would like to say that it should not be a surprise that everything in this top five list you are able to purchase through Leo Burby. Um, when i first started working with marjolin and the crew at burbies um, not all of these things were something that they handled or talked about or had in their you know seasonal listings and everyday listings in the volume that we do now so um, if you want to see you know more variety more volume more of these really great amazing cut flowers I would really encourage you to work with a grower or a, a distributor, a broker um, like David and Marjolin, um, because we're all in this together. We're all learning together and we're getting better together. So that's my little tip. Um, and like I said earlier, come visit us um, on the 28th of September for bulbs and bloom in Marysville. Um, so at Burby's. So, Come visit, say hi, thank you for being here. This has been a lot of fun, I've had some fun. This is a little bit of a shorter episode, so um, hopefully you've been um, able to take some notes as well. Um, and uh, yeah, just to recap, because I'm sure we'll get many emails and messages, but the top five lists were Snaps, Eucalyptus, Lisianthus, Dahlias, and Ranunculus. So, there you go. I hope you have a fabulous day. I am gonna bounce. We've got some really beautiful weddings um, this weekend. So I am going to go work on those nice and colorful. So I'm super excited. And um, I'll catch you back next week. Next week, we're talking about growing peonies. So that's a lot of fun Um, and a lot of money, which is more exciting. So we will talk with you then. Have a great weekend and I'll see you. Bye. (laughs)